You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Well, today I want to preach a message to you uh, in our time together that I've entitled, When God Knocks. When God Knocks. We're in the, the seventh church, looking at the seventh church of the seven churches of Revelation. John is on the island of Patmos. God has given, uh, Jesus is revealing himself to John and through John dictating a letter to seven churches. There were seven actual churches at that time he's speaking to. He's speaking to seven churches throughout the church age. He's speaking to seven churches today. He's speaking to, to you and I. This is like what Jesus would say to the church. I mean, it makes me want to lean in. Like, God, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. And so he goes through these seven letters. And, and here's the last uh, church. It's over in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Let me read it to you. It says, To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, or the one over all of God's creation. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, you are neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty strong language, Jesus. You say I am rich, that I've acquired wealth, and I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Anyone grateful they showed up to church today? You're like, okay, here we go. Bring it on. I promise you, you're going to love this. It's all right. I counsel you to buy gold from refined in the fire, by gold from me that's been refined in the fire, so you can become rich. And, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And, and, and salve to put in your eyes so that you can see. He said this, those who I love, I rebuke and I, cha- and I discipline, or I rebuke and chasten. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person so that they may be with me. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me in my house. And just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, just as I have sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Everyone said a good hearty. Amen. So Jesus has been revealing himself to these churches in different ways all through uh, this study in the, in the book of Revelation. And I, I think that's really, really interesting Here Jesus reveals himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness, the Lord over all creation. But he's revealed himself in different ways to the other churches. Do you remember Ephesus, uh, to the church that was in Ephesus? He he revealed himself in Ephesus as, uh, as the one who... Don't you love it? I'm going to find my notes. I know this one. In Ephesus, the one who held the seven stars and the seven lampstands. That's where we started. Come on, everybody. Remember that? 
And then he goes on and he reveals himself to the church that was in uh, Pergamum as the one with the two-edged sword, Smyrna as the one who uh, was dead and came back to life again. And every church, he's just showing himself in a different way. Um, to the church that was in Tyra, he showed up as Jesus with eyes of fire. You remember this? And, and, and feet of bronze. And just over and over again, he's revealing himself in, in different ways. And I bring all that up to say this. I, I love that about Jesus. And before we close out Revelation, I wanted to make sure I made, made this point. Is that Jesus, at different times in our life, will reveal himself in different ways. Amen? So, like, there's no way, as a Christian, you're ever going to get to a spot, or as a believer, you get to a spot where you're like, I got, Je- I got it all figured out. Like, I, I know all there is to know about Jesus. I know all there is to know about God. I, I've kind of I've arrived. You, you meet some people that, that kind of act like that, and here's the reality is you have no clue. Because there, are, there is so much to who Jesus is. There's, there's so much to who he intends to be to you at every aspect and every season of your life that, friends, if you ever think, oh, I don't need to lean in anymore. I don't need to press in anymore. I don't need to learn anymore. Then, friends, you're missing it. You're actually capping your ability to grow. And so I just want you to see this. Jesus keeps revealing himself in different ways to all these different churches because he has something specific for those churches, depending on what season of life they're in, depending on what pressures they might be facing. Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you, Ephesus, differently, reveal myself to you, Ephesus, differently than I am to Smyrna. Why? Because Ephesus needs something different than Smyrna. And Smyrna needs something different than Ephesus. So, so here's my takeaway in that. What I want you to, to, to remember is as you go through life, Jesus is always actively teaching us. Come on, he's always growing us. He's, he's, he's trying to reveal himself to us. And, and he's, he's in this constant um, motion of maturity in our lives. Does that make sense? He's active right now inside your life. He's, he's never just hanging out. He's always wanting to, to grow you and draw you closer and walk in a deeper intimacy with you. And so what you need to know is as you move through your circumstance and your situations, you got a different outlook or a different perspective. As all of that changes, how he reveals himself to you changes. And if all that's true, here's the takeaway. If all that's true, Come on, what are you facing? What are you walking through? Your focus in what you're facing and what you're walking through, come on, hang with me, isn't just on what am I facing and what am I walking through. It's on Jesus, what do you want to say to me right now in the middle of what I'm facing? What do you want to say to me right now in the middle of what I'm walking through? How how do you, here's what I know, you want to reveal yourself to me. You want to take me deeper. You, you want to mature me. You, you want to teach me something about you in this season that I could not have possibly discovered in the last season. And so right now in this season, instead of just looking at all the circumstances, all the pressure and all the things I maybe want to complain about, or get, I'm going to, listen, bring those things to Jesus and let him reveal himself to me in the midst of what I'm walking through. Are you following me today? Come on. I'm just telling you, don't waste the season. Jesus wants to speak to you in the season. Come on, what's your season? 
Some of you are right now, you're in, you're in a season where, where uh, you, maybe you've got a, a season of need. Come on, you're in a deep season of need. Would you let Jesus teach you in your season of need, uh, 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 move you into a place of dependency? Would you let Jesus teach you in your season of need that he's all sufficient, that, that he will never, never abandon you. He'll never leave you forsaken. Sometimes he'll get you just eating out of his hand if he has to. Amen. Like, God, where's all the abundant provision? He's like, it's right here. I just want to get you closer. Come on, don't waste the season. Some of you are in a season of plenty, a season of, of wealth. And in this season, God's going, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be generous. I'm going to teach you how to open up your hands and, and give as I have given to you. You see, he's always teaching in, in a season of loss. He's wanting to draw you closer and bring you into intimacy in a season of waiting. Come on, he's just teaching you to trust. Come on, what season are you in? I'm telling you, Jesus is in the season you're in. And he wants to speak something very specific to you in this season that maybe you didn't get a, a glimpse of in the last season. Does that make sense? And you just got to remember that about Jesus. He's multi-faceted. He's, he's, come on, everybody. It's just so good. And so to the Laodiceans, Jesus reveals himself in two ways. And, and, and I, I want to hit on these before we bring application to all the rest of this. But two ways that Jesus reveals himself. Jesus said that he's the amen and then he said that he's the beginning of all creation. He's the amen. Now, so Jesus shows up and reveals himself as the amen. What does amen mean? We say it all the time. Come on, someone say amen. 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 What, what is Jesus saying when he says he's the amen? Well, so amen, here's what it means. It means I affirm. I agree. It means yes. Right? Yes. Come on, some of you thought it's just what you say. You have to say it before you eat, right? That's like what you thought amen was. No, this is affirmation. It's, it's um, that's true. It's, I agree. I need that truth, right? That's what he said. I need that truth. It's good to have a little amen in church, right, everybody? Like you go, you're like, well, this is one of them churches. Like you show, they're almost saying amen. We need a little amen in church. Come on, it's not just so the pastor can preach better. And that does happen. I preach, the, the, the more you're leaning in and amen and the better I preach, but it's just not so I can preach better. It's actually for you, when you say that, you're affirming. Yeah, that it's a way of you grabbing hold of the different truths that the spirit of God is whispering into your heart. Does that make sense, everybody? So it's a, it's a little bit of, it's not just for me, it's for you. You're grabbing hold of it. Matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says some were speaking in, in, some were speaking in tongues and translations that others didn't understand. And he said, how are people going to say amen if they don't understand you? In other words, in Paul's mind, I'm not going to get all into it, but in Paul's mind, the church was always going, amen. Hey, yeah, amen. And he goes, people aren't going to be able to do that if they don't understand you. You see? There's this, there's this you grabbing hold of it. It's like, come on, someone say amen. amen. Right? But now watch, Jesus shows up and goes, I want you to know something. I am the amen. What? Okay, okay, so listen. It's not just let it be so. Jesus shows up and goes, I'm the one that makes it so. Listen, it's not just, oh, I want a yes. Jesus goes, I am the yes. 
See, I'm the amen. I'm, I'm the one that shows up and on every promise of God over your life, on, on everything that God desires to do in your life, is doing in your life, what he has for your future, you say to yourself, well, what's my guarantee? How do I know? Jesus shows up and goes, you know, because I'm guaranteeing it. See, I'm the amen. Okay, let me help you. Some of us have said there are no certainties in life. There are no certainties in life. Listen to me, everybody. There is certainty in life. There is deep certainty in life. And his name is Jesus. Jesus says, I am your certainty. I am your amen. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. Everyone's looking for affirmation everywhere, but here's what Jesus says. For no matter how many promises of God he has made, they are yes in Christ and through him, amen. The amen is spoken it by us to the glory of God. So listen, everybody, I just want you to know, Jesus has got it. You're going to be okay. He's going to bring you through. He doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. He's with you every step of the way. Come on, somebody. Jesus says, I want you just to know I'm the amen. And then he says this, I'm, I'm the beginning of all creation. Well, Jesus, what, what, are, you, what are you getting at there? So, some have tried to use this portion of scripture to say that Jesus is revealing himself as the first created being, but that's not the reality. The reality is Jesus is declaring that he's not just the start of creation, he's over all of creation. First John chapter one, verses one through three says, in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him, through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Second Colossians, Colossians, I don't have time to read it, but Colossians one goes on to say that in Jesus Through him, all things were made, and by him, all things consist. In other words, all things are held together. So Jesus shows up and goes, watch, I am your amen. You hold on to me, and that's all you need. Amen? And then he says, oh, and and by the way, I'm also over all of creation. I hold it all together. You're being held together. Like, think about that for one second. You're being held together right now. By the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I want to get into the, the science of it, but do you know that inside your body, there's all these, as I get into the science of it, all these atoms and everything. And do you know that in the center of the atoms, like all they want to do is split. They want to, they want to push away from it. An atom bomb is when you actually let it do what it naturally wants to do. And Jesus goes, you, you want to know how all that's being held together? And it's not just a big furnace. My grace, my hand. Your next breath is just because I'm sustaining you right now. I'm I'm holding it all together. I am over all things. And friends, listen, he he is holding it all together. He's over all things. By him, all things are made. All things consist. And if you don't start there, you're going nowhere. Here's what I mean by that. Like, you can't figure out your relationships until you start with Jesus is over all things. Like you, you can't figure out your marriage until you start with Jesus is over all things. See, because he's creator of all things, he's ruler of all things. Oh, you hear me say it all the time. If, he, if he's created all things, he knows how all things work. 
He's created your marriage. He's created relationships. He's, he's, he's just designed this thing called life. And he's over all of it. And, and if you don't submit to the one who's over all of it, you'll never actually walk in how all of it is meant to work. Does that make sense, everybody? He's over all things. You can't figure out parenting. You can't figure out money. You can't, you can't figure out anything until you come to this place where you go, okay, you're over my friendships. Not just over creation itself, you're over the dynamics of what's happening within creation. And so I'm going to, instead of trying to, in my own, some of you right now, this is your life right now, you're just trying to figure it out on your own. Why? Go to the one who actually designed it. And, and now ask him to be over those relationships. Let, let God be over your choices He's over your marriage, over your children, over your finances. And, and it, listen, if you let him, he'll be over your future. He's over everything. He's over your purpose. God's over the plan that he has for your life. Come on, if you let him, he'll be over your enemies. Amen? He's over all things. He is amen. And he is over all creation. Revelation chapter three, verse 15, after he introduces himself, Jesus gets right to it. He goes, we need to talk. And it's interesting, this church is um, the only church that Jesus actually had nothing good to say. Jesus just got right at it and everything Jesus has to say to them is, well, here's what he says. He says, we got a problem. I know your works and you're neither hot, some say hot, nor cold. He says, I wish you were one or the other, but because you're neither hot nor cold and you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Those are, that's strong language. You agree? Now, listen, typically when we hear this taught, we think, we, we think, okay, here's a message on, um, God wants us either hot Right and hot, you think yeah, we amen louder than everybody else. We 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 show up to church earlier than everyone else. We get more than we're, we're hot, right? Cold, you know, you're 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 in the world. You don't even love God, and you don't even you know. And God's saying to you, I wish you were either on fire for me or just like abandoning me altogether. And for some reason, we like this is another like Isaiah moment, like where he's on the mountain going, choose this day who you will serve. You know, if the Lord is God, worship him. If Azure is God, worship him. No, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here. See, when Jesus said you're neither hot nor cold, you got to understand the context. He's, he's speaking to the Laodicean church, which is between Heropolis, which is six miles to the northeast. And then he, in there between Colossae, that's 10 miles to the southeast. So, this church Laodicea is right between those two cities. Matter of fact, when, when Paul wrote Colossians to the Colossians, he said, make sure that this letter is read in Laodicea as well. Now, why do I bring up those two cities? Because what they were known for. Heropolis was known for having these, um, these hot spas, like these mineral baths that people would come and, and sit in because of the the, the minerals in the water and the heat in the water, they, they believed it would bring healing to them. It was actually really good for their skin and everything else. And so when everyone go up to, everyone would think of Heropolis as kind of the place you'd go to the, for a day spa, right? And so they were known for their hot day spas. Col Colossians on the other side, uh, or Colossi on the other side, was known for its cold and refreshing waters. 
Like it was just, it was just refreshing. You would go there to, to be refreshed in their pools and over at their springs. But Laodicea is right in the middle of those two. And they don't have their own water source. And so in order to get water into Laodicea, they've got to build these aqueducts and these clay pipes. As a matter of fact, if you, if you research, you, you get pictures of all that they did to try to bring in water from all these different places. They, in, in, in the midst of all their wealth and all they had, they, they, could not bring, they could not find their own water source. So they'd bring it in. And guess what? By the time that water got to them, you guessed it, it was lukewarm. Like one of the biggest complaints in, in, in the church of Laodicea, the people that live in the city, is all this water. It's just so lukewarm. Everything is kind of, come on, lukewarm. It's kind of gross. Like what do you use lukewarm water for? Like you don't take a bath. Draw me a lukewarm bath. It's gross, right? No one does that. Um, lukewarm, like you don't, you don't go to order coffee and be like, okay, look, can I just get a lukewarm? Can you just give me a lukewarm? Come on, everybody, right? How many, how many coffee drinkers out there? Like you want your co- coffee hot? Like I, I, I say extra hot. That's what I always say. Can I have it? Here's my order. Can I have a hazelnut latte? I know it sounds, sounds feminine. Can I have a hazelnut latte? So I have to say extra hot. So I just kind of get manly. Can I have a hazelnut latte? Extra hot. I make sure to say that loud so everyone knows. So you get extra hot. Or hey, I'll drink it cold. I put it over ice. And I'll get it for me. I get another thing of ice. And I pour my iced latte over the next thing of ice. Come on. I want cold. You don't, no one asks for lukewarm. You don't order lukewarm tea. This is disgusting. Like there's, there's nothing good about lukewarm. And this is not just the temperature of the city's water. It's the temperature of their heart. You see, Jesus is saying to the church, look, it's not that hot is good and cold is bad. It's hot is good when you need hot. Cold is good when you need cold. But you're neither hot or cold. Come on. Hot, you show up hot and there's people who need healing. You as a church can show up and bring some healing. Why? Because they need some heat. And so I'm going to bring them some heat. I'm going to help heal them. Oh, there's people over here. They need, they don't need healing. They need refreshing. And so I'm going to show up and I can get, I get real cold and bring you some refreshing. But the church, listen, Jesus to the church is going, but here you are in the middle. You can't bring anything to anybody and you're totally ineffective. You're, listen, you're getting nothing done because you don't know how to bring to the world what they need in the moment that they need it. I've heard it said before that, that good preaching, come on, good preaching, it, it, comforts the afflicted. Amen. But it also afflicts the comforted. Say, which one do you do? Whatever people, the spirit of God is going to bring, listen, comfort to those of you that are afflicted. And some of those of you are comforted. You're like, ah, and you just kind of, God's going, we're going to, we're going to get you moving a little bit. And I think great living needs to be like great preaching. Jesus says, listen, guys, come on. Don't be ineffective. Don't just not do nothing. Affect change in, come on, your world. I, I need you to do something. Citizens, listen, we're here to be effective. We're here to bring change to this world around us. Like If we're going to do this thing called following Jesus, if we're going to do this thing called, called growing together as a church and coming together as a church, 
If we're going to do this thing, let's do this thing and actually affect change in the world that's around us. Amen, church? Come on, where you at? Amen? Like, let's go after the world. And that's what Jesus is saying. Know how to walk into environments and bring to those environments Jesus into every single one of those environments. So we're going to show up to our city. We're going to show up to work. We're going to show up to school. And, and we're not just going to go through the motions. We're going to bring refreshment to those who need refreshment. Amen? We're going to bring healing to those who need healing. Why? Because, see, we actually care. We're not turning a blind eye. We're not acting like people aren't hurting around us. We're going to walk into environments and see people. Listen, see people. A lot of times when we walk in an environment, all we can think about is ourselves and all we can think about is our agenda and all we can think about is what, what I got to do and what's my thing. And, and, and church God says, you're different. I need you to walk in environments and see people. What do they need? I'm not meant to walk in here and just be a part. I'm meant to change things. So what's happening in the life of the person that I walk by all the time? What's happening in the life? Of, it's easy to go, oh, oh they're just so, they're so short with everybody. And they're so, but come on, the Christian walks in different. Instead of complaining about that person and what they said. and what, Come on, I get it. God puts you there, though, to affect change within that person. Sitting down and hearing the story of that person. Slowing down long enough to let that person know you actually care. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they might need someone to refresh them. They might need someone to help bring healing to them. And if it's not you, then who? You're not in that environment on accident. God put you there, listen, to affect change. We're, we're called by God to be agents of change. But here's the Laodicean church, and they're just like, they're getting nothing done. They're totally ineffective. They're not changing the, the world around them. They're, they're just lukewarm. And now here's the message on lukewarm. Like, we could talk about that all day. What does it mean to be lukewarm? Well, Lukewarm is where the Laodiceans were living. It's where we sometimes live. It's, it's how we move in this place where we're not actually affecting our environment. We're not actually bringing change to, to the school and the, and the place of employment, maybe even to our own family dynamics. We're not bringing the change that God desires to, to, to bring about through us. How, how does that happen? Well, lukewarm. What's that mean? Well, it's that place where you're not blatantly denying Jesus, but I'm also blatantly not living for him. You know, it's that, it's that place where, where we're just kind of, kind of moving through, kind of following Jesus. I'm walking in the light, but I, but I also am walking in the darkness. Well, if you're trying to stand in light and darkness, you end up with shade. I was almost calling someone shady, but, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Um, you, you, you say you're found but you're living like you're lost. What is that? It's that, it's, that, it's that lukewarm. And you can't affect change in the environment that God's put you in. If, if you walk in and, and come on, it's an old illustration of some of us are walking in, we're just a thermometer, right? We're going, here's the temperature of the room. Here's the temperature of the school. Here's the temperature of the place of employment. Here's the temperature of my family. Here's, here's the temperature. And you walk in and you just kind of morph to the environment. 
Well, what Jesus is telling the Laodiceans is like, that's not you. I'm actually frustrated that that's all you're doing. Because you're not meant to be the thermometer. Come on, you're meant to be the thermostat. You've heard that preached before. Like you turn up the temperature when it's cold. You, come on, you turn down the temperature when it's needed. And that's what the believer does if we can get out of this place of just being lukewarm. So what do we need to guard ourselves from? How, how in the world do we make sure that we stay out of this place of not being lukewarm? Come on, how do we? Church, lean in with me, please. How do we make sure that we live in a way where we can bring hot to those who, who need hot, we can bring cold to those who need cold, that we can walk in environments and actually bring the change that Jesus wants to bring? I believe that God wants to change our city, that God wants to change your family, God wants to change the dynamic at school. God wants to, God wants to bring change. My family agrees. Where you at, church? Amen? So, setting all that up, God wants to do all So, how do I make sure that I'm not living in a lukewarm place? Well, listen to what Jesus says to the Laodiceans to help shake them out of their lukewarmness. Because this is some of us right now. Revelation 3, 17 and 18. What do he say? You say to yourself, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Here's how they slipped into lukewarmness, everybody. Here's how it happens in our life. Here's how it happens in the church in America. Is you get to this place where you go, I don't need anything. God, I'm good. God, I've got this. God, I, 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 I got this. He goes, you, you, you think you're rich. And of course they thought they were rich. They were the wealthiest of all the churches. They, had, they, they, they ran the trade routes which meant that money was constantly pouring in. No one ever said to themselves, like, like, I don't have enough. They all had more than you could ever imagine. And yet Jesus says, you're poor. They, they were known for their textile industry, their clothing industry. Matter of fact, they, they had this uh, black wool that they were specifically known for that was only worn by the richest of the rich in Asia Minor. They're the ones that exported it. Jesus says, you think you got your fashion going on and you got your clothing industry because you're actually naked. They were known for a medical school that would treat eyes. There's a doctor there that developed this eye ointment that would help bring sight back to people who were losing sight for various reasons. And they were known for that. And Jesus says, you're walking around going, oh, we're rich and we know how to handle medical things. And we know how to, we kind of got this all figured out. And Jesus goes, no, listen, you're actually poor blind and naked. Why? Because you're walking around so blinded by everything you have that your desperation for me, come on, your dependency upon me, please listen, church, is fading. You're trusting more in your riches than you are in me. You're trusting more in what you have materially than in me. And I know some of you right now, you're thinking to yourself, well, Chris, that's obviously not me because I'm not rich. Like you don't know, I'm not rich. Please listen, church. 
to help put this into context, just hang with me for a second. You okay? You're rich. And I'm saying this to help us. Do you know that 7% of our world's, only 7% of our world's population has a car to their family? 7% of the world population. A lot of us have two. Some of some family households have more. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me. Um, 80% of our world's population doesn't have, has a substandard level of housing. 80% of the world's population. And yet some of us drove here in those cars that stayed the night in adequate housing called garages. I mean, come on. We're rich. So, if you have food in your refrigerator, you got clothes on your back, you got a roof over your head, you got a, you got a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of this world. You got money in the bank and in your wallet, maybe some spare change in a dish somewhere. You're among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest. You have so much, some of us have so much food in our house that when you go to the grocery store, just hang with me for one second. When you go to the grocery store, you come back with new food and you've got to make room for your new food by getting rid of some of your old food. You don't know whether to laugh or cry on that one. Hang on. But it's just the reality. We have so much. The, the, the church in America, we, go, we have so much, right? The, the global personal income, personal income, $9,733. Globally, that's the average global personal income. Average global household income, $12,235 a year. How's everyone doing? The medium per capita household income is $2,920 a year. Now, sure, I know we depend on God and we're crying out to God. About, please, I'm trying to help the church. Come on, listen, we're not gonna become lukewarm, amen? So what do we gotta do? Okay, watch you got to get desperate for God in a whole new way. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, I know i got a lot, but I also depend on God. But here's, here's what happens, is we end up in the midst of everything we have. Well, yeah, sure, we're depending on God, but here's what we're depending on God for. More food. Got more money. More stuff, more things, more, more, God, more fancy. I need more. I mean, and so we depend on God for more. But guys, it's very different than the person who just depends on God for any. God, any food. God, anything. God, I just depend on you for any. God, I have nothing unless you provide. Nothing unless you intervene. God, you're my all in all. You're my everything. Unless you show up, this don't work. God, unless you breathe on this, there is no life. See, desperation. And church, I share all that just to help us see. If we're not careful, we slip into a place where we're not truly, I'm preaching myself, desperate for God. And in as much as you're not desperate for God, it is a direct correlation to the fact that you're relying on self. And when you're relying on self, Come on, everybody, watch. All you get is self. And I have got to find a way to transition my heart from 
I got this to Jesus, I need you desperately and intimately for every single thing in my life. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, what? Give us this day our daily, what? Come on, everybody. Bread. Daily bread. Moment by moment. Jesus didn't say, get them just pray over the year. God, we pray you provide for us this year. Don't you, some of you wish you, that's what God said, because then you pray once in the beginning of every year and you just be like, we're good. No, I, I want to hear from you daily. Do you know that you're, I'm not, I'm not saying all this, come on, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to condemn, condemn you and come I, I, I want to uplift you. Do you know that your, your prayer life is a good litmus test of your dependency on God? If I'm not praying, then I'm not depending. Does that make sense? If I'm not crying out to God, I'm leaning, on to, I'm leaning into me. And so God says, I need you crying out to me, praying daily, 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 daily. Got it today, and I need him today. Got it today, I need him today. Daily, daily, daily what? Bread. What's bread? It is the most basic, fundamental building block of your life. And God says, I need you to realize you're desperate for me right there at the most basic part of who you are. So what he's inviting you to do in the Lord's prayer is get desperate for me. Depend on me. Cry out to me. Come to me and just realize that you're nothing without me. And church, we got to be careful that we've not been so blinded by how much we have. So you live like this. Ready? God, I thank you for everything. Realizing that without you, I have nothing. God, I thank you for everything. Every single day. God, I thank you for everything. Realizing that without you, I have no thing. God, I, I, none of it without you intervening. And I just live that way. God, you gave and you could, you could take away, but you haven't taken away. And so you gave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that blessing. Because it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's not, it's not me. There's just this desperation, this dependence on God. If you move from that place, come on, church, if we move from that place, we end up lukewarm. I, I think the world is yet to see what God can do through a person and God can do through a church that lives in a way where they're 100% sold out, desperate for God to move in every part of their life. I'm telling you, we have yet to see what God's going to do. You know, as we move into this next season, we're going to move into two weeks of prayer. Why? Because we're going to get desperate. We're going to cry out to God to move in this next season of our, of our, of our church's life. Amen. That's starting next Monday. You hear more about that, but we're just going to go in pressing into God. We're going to end those two weeks with a, with a special night of, of worship and prayer here, here at the church. We're going to cry out to God because we're desperate for God, but we're not going to live just like that as a church, but as a community, as individuals. So do you know what you need? More God. You know what you need? More desperation. More desperation. He says, you should buy from me gold. In other words, you've been, you've been making your investments in all the wrong things. Buy from me gold. You're running around going, maybe I, maybe I need to buy from that person something that's going to help me with this situation or lean into this to help me with that and lean into the God. Go, stop. Just come to me. Buy from me gold refined in fire. In other words, it's pure. It is pure. What, what you're going to get from me 
for everything that you got going on is purity. It's gonna work. Stop turning to the things that don't. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. And he says, those who I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Church, will you stand with me? You know, Jesus gives us really strong warning. Just don't be lukewarm, everybody. Come on, don't. Don't move in this place where you're self-dependent. Move in, keep yourself in a place. Come on, amen. Where you're leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. And he gives real strong language like, hey, if you fall into a place of lukewarm, here's what happens. You are ineffective. You're ineffective in your environment. You're ineffective in the city. You're, you're ineffective. You're, you're not really doing anything. Because in that place, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I, I, I want no part of that. That's strong. Someone say that's strong. But it's loving. So just in case you start question, questioning God's motives, like, God, I can't believe you. Jesus, what do you say? He goes, hey, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. You ever wonder why you can't get away with anything? It's because he loves you. You ever wonder why, like, like some of you aren't Christians in here, like, there's Christians everywhere. I just go, I've got Christians all over my, God loves you. He's just hunting you down. He says, as many as I love, I chase down. Well, how... How do I make sure? How, how do I engage in this desperation for God? How do I, how do I make that happen in my, in my life? And I love what Jesus says. He goes, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If Jesus is at the door and he's knocking, where's Jesus in the picture? He's outside the door. It's wild to me. Jesus showed up to the church. This is the church he's talking to. Jesus wasn't in the church. Jesus was outside the church going, hey, y'all have a church, but would you let me in? Hey, hey, you're doing life. Hey, you're going, you're going about your marriage. Hey, but, but can I come in? Can, can, I, can I just, can, hello? This is the church. So what does he say? We do. Here's how simple it is. Watch. You open the door. Jesus. Come on in. The door opens from the inside, doesn't it? Jesus doesn't, he doesn't force himself in. He's a gentleman. He doesn't, he just knocks. Hey, hello? Come on. And I, I know some of you, you feel that knocking. You sense that knocking. And today, come on, would you just let it be the day where instead of trying to figure out life behind closed doors without Jesus involved, that today you just open up the door to him, to every, I say, open up every door. Come on, some of you, he's knocking on some doors in your life. You're like, okay, he's like, hey, you let me in the living room, but what in the world is in this closet? And I go, okay, Jesus, I'll let you in the closet. I'll let you in, I'll let you in, I'll let you in, I'll let you in. And he says, when I come in, here's what I'll do, is I'll sup with you. I'll sup with you. The Greeks had Breakfast, real small, eat it quick. Lunch, real small, eat it quick. Dinner, oh, dinner was a party. Hours, lots of food, lots of laughter, lots of community. And Jesus said, that's what I want with you. That's what I want to have with you. And if you would just open up that door, that's what you're going to get from me. I'm committed to you. All I need you to do is open up your life to me. And some of you, come on, you need to do that for the very first time. Others of you, you need to do that again. 
There's some of you that got places in your life that you've been closing the doors off to Jesus and you just need to stop, come on, stop. Stop trying to do life on your own and just open up and say, let's go. Come on, church. Let him rule, let him reign. He is the amen, the beginning and the end. He's over all creation. Let him be over every aspect of your life. In Jesus' name, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you see us where we are. You love us where we are. And and God, we know that you have so much more for our lives than we could imagine. God, I realize that there's some of us in here today that we've been out kind of living in a lukewarm way. We're not fully in. We're not fully out. Uh, We're just kind of in the middle. And we're not affecting change in the environments that we walk into because, God, there's just not a, we're not prepared for it. There's not a desperation in us for you, God. We're not, we're not watching you move around us because, God, there's not a desperation in us. And, and God, I, I pray for every single one of us, God, that, that names the name of Jesus. God, would you help us become desperate for you again? God, we're, we are throwing the whole weight of our lives upon you. Because we want to open up our, the door of our heart to you in a brand new way this morning for some of us. I realize that there's some of you listening right now who, who've never said yes to Jesus. You've never opened, opened up the door of your heart to him. I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. We've all gone our own way. The wages of that, the Bible says, is death. It's a separation from God in the here and now, and one that'll last for all eternity if it's not dealt with in the here and now. Some of you are separated from God. Come on, he's on the outside, just wants to get in and and have fellowship with you and help arrange things the way they need to be arranged. Just let him do that work today. All you need to do is open the door. He's knocking. He's knocking. How would you let him in today? If that's you and you want to open the door of your heart to Jesus, you want to say yes to him today, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Jesus is going to come in and forever change your life. Here's what you say. Say, God, come on, tell him, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know that you've got more for me. And so today I ask that you would be my Lord. You would be my Savior. That you would wash me and that you would forgive me. I thank you for going to the cross on my behalf. And I thank you for rising again to lead me into life. Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church. Amen, amen. and amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us.